Welcome to Quick Hits, a bi-weekly episode designed to give you genuine insights and practical application of one topic. Thanks for coming back to listen to the Impact of Leadership podcast. This is the second edition in the six-part series regarding Entree Leadership Summit 2019 and unpacking some of my takeaways our team, again, as a as recap, if you didn't hear last uh, quick hit, you can go back and listen to that. If you don't want to, don't do it. It's America. Who am I to say that you should go back and listen to that? But our team, seven of us from CCB's team, went out to Entree Leadership Summit 2019, and Pat Lencioni killed it. He killed it. He did something that I hadn't ever seen before. So he spoke for close to two hours. I've seen that before, but what I haven't seen is him keep the attention of the entire room for every minute of his talk. I'm serious. You can ask people on the team, if you don't believe me, you can ask Melody. She's much more of a linear thinker and probably more trustworthy than I am. So ask her. Uh, She was there. The untapped advantage of organizational health is what he spoke on. But he was taking questions from the audience. He was taking his jacket off. He was saying, hi, how are you? I have ADHD. I just was making a point and I'm going to go ahead and answer your question. It was an entertaining but it was insightful and it was challenging. So I'm going to do my best to do some justice for what he gave us at Entree Leadership Summit and my takeaways. So here we go. Okay, so visualize this. You've got a circle and you've got four pieces of pie that make up that circle. So upper left piece of pie is number one, and that is build a cohesive leadership team. The piece of pie in the upper right is create clarity. The bottom right piece of pie is over-communicate clarity. The bottom left, reinforce clarity. So again, upper left, build a cohesive leadership team. Number two, upper right, create clarity. Bottom right, over-communicate clarity. Bottom left, reinforce clarity. In the middle, you've got organizational health. So what does that actually look like? Well, building a cohesive leadership team helps to eliminate politics and increase efficiency. How in the world does that happen? It's very, very practical Don't skip past this. Well, they do this by being open, building trust, engaging in constructive conflict, committing to clear decisions, holding everybody accountable, holding each other accountable for behaviors and performance. Hey, that doesn't line up with our mission and values. Why are you doing that? Stop doing that. Focusing on collective results versus just the individual. That was a lot. Let's keep going. Create clarity. Healthy organizations minimize the potential for confusion by clarifying why they exist. How do people within the organization behave? What do we do? How will we succeed? What's most important to us right now? What, uh, who must do what in order for us to get there? Um, over-communicate clarity. Number three, healthy organizations align their employees around organizational clarity by communicating messages through repetition, simplicity, multiple mediums, and cascading messages. What you do action-wise should not be in opposition to what you say. Hypocrite. Number four, reinforce clarity. This comes through in your hiring, your managing performance, rewards recognition, employee dismissal, and meetings. Interesting. Meetings. Hmm. Who likes meetings? Nobody, except Pat Lencioni does. And there was a very, very funny story about um, a meeting that he was in where he, when he was a consultant for this organization, they were paying him to be there as a consultant. So that's a fun dynamic. He's in a room 
after the employees for the CEO had filled out a 360 review on him as part of the process. Now, a 360 review, if you're not familiar, is basically a survey that's very in-depth about the person uh, who is in charge or the person that's uh, that's sent out the survey or it's been sent out on behalf of Steve Shear. Fill this out on Steve Shear. Tell us about his character. Does he communicate well? Does he lead well? Specifics of how he does or he doesn't. And then what happens is my employees, if they did this, they'd fill that out. I wouldn't know the names of who did what and who said what. Oh, Steve sucks because his breath stinks or whatever. Uh, it comes back. The, the results are compiled and then it's presented to me or, in this case, the CEO of the company that Pat was the consultant of. And so they did it in front of everybody. So he gets the results, the CEO. The people are in the room that filled it out. He doesn't know who said what, but he's reading through, oh, there's a problem with the way I listen. I'm not a good listener. Looks up, looks around the table. And as Pat said, one by one, oh, no, 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 no. You're, you're a great listener. I don't, I don't have a problem with the way you listen. Oh, okay. CEO goes to the next thing. Huh. I don't hold people accountable well. Next couple people. No, what? No, 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 no. I think you do a great job with that. Pat Lencioni being a good consultant and being funny, wheels his squeaky chair over to the table and says, um, you're the only people that filled this thing out. So... And then wheels his chair back. This is a funny example, but it highlights that that team was not cohesive. They did not have organizational health. But why didn't they have organizational health? There's several reasons for it. And that goes right into Pat Lencioni's next point, The Five Dysfunctions of a Team, which is also a fantastic book. Side note, Pat Lencioni, the reason I like him, one of the reasons I like him so much is he has practical advice, but he delivers it through business fables. These books do not put you to sleep. Look them up. They're really, really good. Okay, coming back to it. Five dysfunctions of a team. Picture a pyramid. The dysfunctions go like this. The base of the pyramid, there's an absence of trust. On top of trust, there's a fear of conflict. On top of that, a lack of commitment. Next, avoidance of accountability. And last, inattention to results. Now flip it. Take away the negative stuff. And you've got a pyramid of good things. So what do we need to have healthy teams, cohesive leadership teams, and a healthy company? Well, we need to start with trust is the base. Then build on the trust because we believe in each other. We believe you when you say something that you have my best interest in mind. Now we can have healthy conflict. Now that we've got healthy conflict, now now we can all be committed to a common goal and run towards that. But when we mess up, because we've got trust, healthy conflict, and commitment commitment to a goal, we can hold each other accountable. And out of that healthy conflict, uh, excuse me, trust, healthy conflict, commitment, and accountability come results. Whoa, that's a lot. Yep, that is a lot. So let's just zoom in for like one to two minutes on the base of this, which is trust. I wrote down vulnerability-based trust. So don't just trust me because I've done it before. But trust me, because I'm humble enough to show you that my armpit is sweating because I'm running really hard over here. There's vulnerability. Let's work together. Okay, don't be distracted by my analogies. Just let's keep moving. Vulnerability-based trust. Maybe sometimes you have to say to your team, I'm not sure how to do this. 
Or maybe even worse than that, if you'd like to have it all together, hey team, I got it wrong and I need to apologize. Yikes. When you do that though, as Pat Lencioni beautifully outlined for us in this book, but then also at the talk, conflict with trust is a beautiful thing and it's attractive because people think can finally open up about ideas that they might have had, but they didn't want to get stomped down. Or they might want to feel they might feel like you're not doing the right thing. You're asking them for advice, but they're afraid that they're going to get chastised or crucified in front of everybody. And nobody wants to be that person. Nobody wants to be the dummy in the room that raises their hand after the boss asks for feedback and then get beat up over it. All right, so the last section of his talk was about the ideal team player. And I can say again, this is a fantastic book. Uh, I listened to it, the audio thing, and then came back to CCB, was raving about it. And they said, okay, calm down. How much coffee did you have? Uh, And I said a ton because I like coffee, but this is good stuff. So what makes up the ideal team player? Three sections, humble, hungry, and smart. And that is beautiful. But what does that mean? Humble. The ideal team player is humble because they lack excessive ego or concerns about status. They are quick to point out that person's awesome. They're the ones that should get credit. They see team over self, and they define success collectively rather than individually. Man, that one hit hard because sometimes I like to hit home runs, which doesn't have to be bad. But do I care more about hitting a home run versus the team winning? Sidebar. Let's keep going. Hungry. Ideal team players are very hungry. They are always looking for more, more things to do, more to learn, more responsibility, more stuff to take on. Hungry people will climb a mountain. They'll let their body recover. And while their body's recovering, they're looking for that next goal. They're self-motivated and very, very diligent. Smart. This is one of my favorite pieces of it because I'm not very book smart. I had to work very, very hard to get through college and high school. Uh, Limped through high school. Had to work hard through college because I was paying for it. Coming back to it. Smart. What is he talking about? Not book smarts. He's talking about people smart. They have common sense about people. Smart people tend to know what is happening in a group situation and how to deal with others in the most effective way. They have good judgment and intuition around the subtleties of group dynamics and the impact of their words and actions. When it sounds like I'm reading, it's because I am. Because Pat Lazzioni laid this out. So in each of those sections, when I read the humble thing, the hungry thing, and the smart thing, it's because, well, why would I just make it up? He's the one that said it. So let's, let's go zoom in a little bit more on each of these sections and then we'll be done. Humble. One circle is humble. One circle is hungry. One circle is smart. When they intersect, that middle part is the ideal team player. So what is the most important attribute? Do you have to wait to hire somebody if they have all three? According to Pat Lencioni, nope. You can be okay if they have two. But which one's the most important then? Ah, great question. Glad you asked. That's actually a question that somebody asked while we were there. He points out that humble, humility, humility, that section is the most important. And here's why, very, very quickly. Imagine you've got somebody that's hungry and smart. So they are very, very hungry and they're people smart. That person, according to Pat Lencioni, is the skillful politician. They're going to manipulate the heck out of you because they know people they're paying attention, 
and they want the money. They want the glory. That is dangerous. That is really, really dangerous. But what if they're only humble then? Not good. They're a pawn. They don't have a backbone. Sure. Yeah, that sounds good to me. Wait, you just agreed to let me steal your car? Yeah, just take the keys. It's not stealing if I just give it to you. You don't want a pawn either. So you want this combination. Check out the book, The Ideal Team Player. Breathe. What about interviews? Three things that he brought up that I am going to do. Conduct non-traditional interviews. Don't just sit across from the person and let them feed you all the stuff and leave it at that. Because people should prepare. They should prepare and read about your company and do all that stuff. Yes. But do something more than that. Like what? Mess up their order. What does that mean? Take them out to coffee. Go shopping with them. You want to do something crazy? I don't know if you have the leeway to do this, but what are you into? You into fishing? See if they want to go fishing. I don't know. Maybe try that. One of the things that they do at Entree Leadership that's part of their interview process is when they get to the final stage after like four months of interviews, it seems like, they if the person that's being interviewed has a significant other, spouse, girlfriend, boyfriend, whatever, they the, uh, the Entree Leadership folks tell them, bring your spouse, your significant other. We're going to go out to dinner now. And uh, there's a funny story that I'll t- talk about at a different episode. But you, you find a lot about the person that you're hiring when you interview them with the spouse or just have dinner and see how it goes. The last thing, very, very practical. Ask questions more than one time. The question that I am stealing from Pat Lencioni that he said, use this, is what would someone else say about you? Here's a scenario. You're in an interview. They prepared. Yep, I'm a, I can overcome objections. Yep, I'm a great salesperson. Or yeah, I work great on teams or whatever. I've got all my references. Okay, what would your wife say about you in this scenario? What would your best friend say is something you struggle with. Now there's this thing that happens in your brain and now you're talking from the other perspective. It seems less uh, incriminating if you're going to say something that's, you know, needs to be known, but bad about yourself because that other person is giving the feedback versus the interviewee. So the question again, what would someone else say about you? We're going to use that uh, in interview process. And actually um, to put feet to it, we're conducting non-traditional interviews going forward. I've done some coffee interviews with people and seen how they order stuff and just talked. And it was an interview, but we were just talking. But we're going to keep going with that. So as I talked about in the Quick Hits episode number one in this six-part series, I'm in the process of trying to find a director of sales management. So I'm going to take that person out to dinner. And if they have a spouse or significant other, I'm going to encourage them, bring them with us. We want to meet them, not just to pull some Jedi mind trick kind of a thing, but because we care. We at CCB care about families. So why wouldn't we want you, interviewee, to know who I am, who my wife Beth is, who Patrick is, who his wife Lori is? We want that to happen. So mess up the order of the person you're interviewing, not just to mess with their brain, even though that's funny sometimes, conduct non-traditional interviews, ask questions more than once, and that question that I'm stealing, what would someone else say about you? A lot there. Pat Lencioni is the man. Look up his books. And as always, 
From all of us here at CCB, thanks for listening.